So this morning I'm going to be sharing from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 to 18. And the title of my message is Living for Eternity in a Temporary World. How do you live your life now knowing that you are not here forever? How do you live it now knowing that you are not here forever? There is something better waiting for you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. So turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 to 18. I have to say that this series has blessed me personally uh, since we started going through uh, 2 Corinthians. It has blessed me and uh, as I was preparing this message again, I felt so much encouraged just reading the Apostle Paul, how openly he, would, he was writing this letter, pouring his heart and opening up his, lives, uh, his life to, to other believers. And obvious to us today, we, we are reading this. And perhaps maybe I feel so much personally blessed and encouraged because this is what I have, I have, to, I have to do in my day-to-day -day life is... I'm in ministry, <laughs> so, and uh, you might have heard a lot of pastors who tell you, maybe you've never heard that, that if you're not careful, ministry can be a lonely place. Uh, because of the weight that it comes with the responsibility of being in ministry. So this has been very encouraging, reading and preparing and seeing um, and today, why I say that is when Paul is sharing, though Paul's suffering is nowhere near to what any of us here maybe might be going through. But there are some sacrifices that we make as children of God. When you look at them, uh, are sacrifices that you think, is everyone making these sacrifices? Why am I making these sacrifices? But then when you read in the life of people like the Apostle Paul, the amount, the level of sacrifices that he made for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. I would say because he understood the importance of living for eternity in a temporary world. But not only that, he also understood the grace of God that God had extended, where God took him from, and what God had done for him. So we are going to be exploring these verses, and I want us to see and learn mostly about God's grace. If you're a Christ follower, what God has done for you. Secondly, to really examine ourselves, if you're a Christ follower, whether you are living with that eternal hope as you live now. What are you holding to in your day-to-day -day life? What is it that is keeping you going? What is it that motivates you each day? Verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. 
we also believe, and so we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake. In other version it said, for your benefit. So that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are, are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Lord, we thank you. We give you the glory, we give you the honor this morning. Father, my prayer is that you will speak to us. Help us, Lord. Encourage us, correct us, rebuke us. Heal us, Lord, for your glory. Holy Spirit, do your work in and through us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So to best understand verse 13, you have to go back to verse 11 and 12, but we'll come to that later on. In verse 13, when Paul said, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, he's referring to the Old Testament. This is Psalm 16, verse 10, that is quoting. I believed and so I spoke. He's quoting Psalm 16, verse 10. We also believe and so we also speak. So he's looking back to those who had gone before him. And what follows next is going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So everything in the Old Testament pointed to this man of Jesus Christ. And if they believed and they spoke about him, therefore I also believe and so I also speak. Now, Paul is speaking from the tank of the faith that he has in the Lord Jesus Christ. I am talking about living for eternity in a temporary world. He's trying to make a point here and said, okay, if you see the way I'm living, by the way, the first two verses speaks about the death that they were facing daily, the fact that the work serving the Lord was so dangerous for them. The fact that they were serving Jesus, it was too dangerous. They were facing death all the time. Persecution. He get to verse 13, he said, I, because, quoting Psalm 16 verse 10, because they believed and they spoke, we also believe and so we also speak. Nothing can stop me from believing what 
I, when I look back what was written, what I believe is what I am believing in. I'm so confident about the truth about who Jesus is. Therefore, I will speak. Paul then extends his thoughts to verse 14. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Paul has never been there yet. He's not there yet. But he's living with a deep conviction that the fact that Jesus suffered the fact that he lived the life he suffered and he was crucified, but we know that Jesus is no longer dead, he's alive. The fact that that happened to him, I can stand boldly and proclaim Christ, even if it means that I'm going to die or suffer for it. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Friends, let's continue to suffer for a little longer. God raised him, loosing the pants of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Acts chapter, 20, chapter 2 verse 24. Death could not keep hold of Jesus. Paul believed in the truth about eternal life and lived with great hope to meet Jesus together with all the saints in God's presence. He knew how to live for eternity in a temporary world. But it was not connected to any kind of fake hope. It was connected to the truth of Jesus Christ's his life, his resurrection, his death and his resurrection. He saw what God did. Therefore, he was so confident to follow, to save, and to risk his life for Jesus. I don't know what reason you have. Every time it's difficult for you to wake up in the morning to come to a gathering, because it seems like it's painful. It's a suffering. It's hard. Friends, without a bigger reason, it is impossible to live for eternity in the temporary world. You must have a bigger reason that accompany your faith. Why do you believe in God? Why do you believe in saving the Lord? Paul has a bigger reason here. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. It is not a loss to save the Lord. It is not a waste of time. As I said, in the two verses before verse 13, Paul made a strong statement regarding the condition in which he saved the Lord Jesus. I quote, we live under constant danger of death, because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. Now, they were living with constant, in constant danger. Look the way Paul is describing this body, the dying body. We live under constant danger of death 
because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying body. In other words, whatever we are doing, whatever we do, it is the life of Jesus that has to be glorified in this dying body as we live here. We live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. Now, the reason I'm sacrificing, it is not for me. Even if it means that I have to lose my happiness so that other people can come to know Christ, I'll do it. I'm talking about living for eternity in a temporary world, but it's the opposite of what culture can teach us. It is me first and my happiness before I can think about other people. Doesn't matter if people are lost I know Christ, and it's my business, and I am going to deepen my understanding of God and becoming more like Jesus, just me, but not others. You have to understand, even Jesus came for a mission, and his mission was to come and seek and save the lost. Paul understood that. We live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. Paul is so proud of the fact that his suffering would result in other people knowing Jesus. This is a good example of gospel generosity. Paul demonstrates here or displays a great understanding of a true living hope. God who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Then we go to verse 15. For it is all for your sake, again, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. In other version, it says, so that God may receive the glory. And also it starts in other version by saying, it is for your benefit. Who would say, I am suffering so that other people can benefit? Paul is saying, for your benefit. I want to see that the grace of God may extend to more and more people through my ministry. Friends, the way we live our lives and the things that we prioritize should be connected to the mission of God if we are children of God. I don't read the word of God so that I can become knowledgeable or I can grow the knowledge of God's of word, uh, the, no, the words of God just for me. The reason why I spend time in God's word, yes, for sure, I want to be more like Jesus, but I have to ask myself a question, what did Jesus come to do? Why did he have to suffer? And why did he have to die? 
Should I be satisfied of knowing that I've got a brother in my family who doesn't know Christ, yet I continue to work on myself so that I can be more like Jesus, I can quote scriptures, but yet I, I don't have any concern. Yes, I don't pray that the grace of God may, may be extends to many people, my friends, my family, my surrounding, my colleagues at work, my brothers and sisters. Paul wanted his gospel suffering to benefit other people. He goes on saying, the reason I do what I do is for your benefit. Again, another great example of gospel generosity. Why do you save on Sunday? I save so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Why do you come to prayer meeting? I came to prayer meeting so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God, that God may receive the glory. Why do I share my faith with other people who are far away from God? I share my faith with them because I want the grace of God to extend to so many people, more and more people, so that it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. I don't do it so that I can look good in the eyes of people. I do it because I know what grace means. Grace sim simply means that it is God who takes the initiative and implies the priority of his action on behalf of needy sinners like me. That is the whole point of grace. It does not start with us, it starts with God. And Paul understood grace so well. It is not earned or merited by us. It is freely given to us who have no resources or deservings of our own. This is God's love. And understanding God's love will help you and me to live for eternity in this temporary world. In the Gospel of John, John declares, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, read also verse 19. God showed his prior love to us by graciously providing his redemption precisely when we had no love for him. God demonstrates his own love for us in this way, says Paul. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So that when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. Now do you understand why Paul can extend grace to other people, can look at sinners and other people with different eyes, because he understood grace himself. While he was still a sinner, Christ paid the price for him. Paul had experienced God's grace in a mysterious way. 
while on the way to go and persecute the disciples, the resurrected Christ appeared to him in Acts chapter 9. Understanding that the sinner he was, the blasphemer he was, persecutor, but yet God showed him mercy. Paul looked at his life and said, I can only pour my life towards others so that they can come to know Christ because of what Christ has done for me. We see it in these verses, as well as in his letters to two emerging leaders, Timothy and Titus. I can say Paul was a gospel-ravished leader, and it is the same advice that we see giving to, is giving to Timothy and Titus. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13 to 16, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost, but I received mercy for this reason, that in me, the, most, the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Now, Paul positioned himself as a vessel. He said, in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. He has saved me, a sinner. Therefore, I want to live my life making myself available so that through me, other people can come to know Christ. He did not want to become an obstacle. He did not want other people to see that he knows so much about Jesus. In fact, he was not. He was called to the same, to the Corinthians. They considered Paul as though he was not articulate. He wasn't well-spoken, maybe to say. But that was not his worry. His worry was for people to come to experience the grace of God through his ministry. His worry was for people to know Christ. We are Christ followers. The question is, what is your worry? What are you living for now? How are you living your life in a temporary world? To Titus, this is what Paul had to write to you. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness. In case you are working so hard so that you can receive acceptance from God. But Paul is saying that's not the case. We have been saved 
not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good, work, to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. I know that as we sit here this morning, though we all have our different sin mix, some of us at least can identify with Paul. Blasphemous, persecutors, ignorant, unbelieving. Some of us can see traces of Titus. Titus' description in our lives, foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to all kinds of passion and pleasures, malice, envy, hate, we can maybe relate to those things. If you think about it, where you were and where you are now and what Christ has done for you, friends, we can start to live differently as we live for eternity in this temporary world. This should change our view towards other people. This should change us from, the, from inside out when it comes to our relationship with those who don't know Christ. This should change us from inside out when it comes to our relationship with each other. This should change us from inside out when it comes to saving the Lord, when we, you are to pay a price of waking up early in the morning and said, I want to go and worship with other brothers and sisters. You are not going to see that as something being robbed from you, but you're going to look at it as a privilege. Verse 16, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. We do not lose out. Why Paul is talking about the outer self? Because the outer self has a lot of demanding. This outer self demands a lot of things. The body wants to be satisfied at any cost. And there is always fight within us. There is an inner man who wants to stand for Christ, but there is the outer self that is wanting to fight that. And Paul had to put this to death. And he did not look at the suffering as something that would stop the inner person from doing what God wanted him to do. Whether we suffer, whether we lack things, whether this body doesn't get its full satisfaction, but the inner being is being renewed day by day by God himself. I have to say that it is impossible 
to lose heart when living according to the hope of eternal life. But if you don't have a bigger hope that you are living for, it is easy to, to lose heart. He said, we do not lose heart. The reason we do not lose heart is because we are not looking at the outer self. We are not looking at the things that are perishable. We are not looking at the body that is not going to live forever. We are being renewed from in, in, the inner self as being renewed every day. We are satisfied. We are happy from inside. In Acts 20, 24, listen to this. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul had a bigger purpose for his life. It was to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Again, the word grace. Why Paul speaks about grace so much? Because he understood where God had taken him from. A sinner, a blasphemer, he has been saved from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. He's so happy. He wants to live for, 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 for God and God alone. He surrendered his life to God. He wanted God to use him as a vehicle for other people to experience his grace. I love the prophetic encouragement in Isaiah 40, verse, uh, 40, verse 30 to 31. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with, eagle, with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I encourage you to wait for the Lord. I encourage you not to be distracted by the outer self. Because the outer self will get tired. But if we wait on the Lord... Our strength is going to be renewed. The inner being is going to be renewed. In him, our inner strength is renewed day by day. It is not possible with the daily challenges of life to mount up with wings like eagles, but in Christ we can. Because he's the one who strengthens us. He's the one who gives us the courage and the boldness for us to face each day. In Christ, we can run and not get weary. In Christ, we can walk and not faint. He is the source of life. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Paul is looking at the suffering at the time. He said, it is not going to compare to that eternal glory that will be revealed to us. He considered his gospel suffering as something small. Though we all know that Paul faced 
a number of imprisonment. We know that Paul was betrayed by some of his colleagues when we read Paul's letters. We know that Paul himself stood many times that he was accused because of preaching the gospel. Accused and put to prison. But he saw his troubles. He looked at them and said, this is temporary. It is not going to go forever. It is short. It's not even going to be compared to what is waiting for me when I'll be in the presence of the Lord. Saving the Lord isn't easy. Let me say it. Because some of you may sit here and say, it is easy. It is not easy. If it was easy, you wouldn't have missed even a Sunday to come and gather here with other brothers and sisters for no reason. Saving the Lord isn't easy because if it was easy, you would have actually put up your hand and said, I'd love to serve in that ministry because I'm positioning myself as a vehicle that I want God to use so that many people can experience God's grace. But the fact that it's not happening, therefore you have to understand, yes, it's true. It is not easy. It is hard. But let me tell you this. It is worth it. It is worth it. There is a great reward one day when we stand before our Lord Jesus. Well done. We'll be said to you, faithful servants. It will be said to me, faithful servants. Friends, listen to this. We don't save because we want the elders to tell us to save. We don't save because we want to look great in the eyes of people. We do, be, we do because we understand why we are here. This is temporary. There is great joy in saving God. It is a privilege. Yes, it is difficult for you to miss the TV show because you've accepted to host a community group in your, in your home. It is hard, but it's a privilege. You are positioning yourself as a vehicle so that many people can experience God's grace. You are looking towards the glory that will be revealed to you, which, which cannot be compared to the series that you are going to miss on TV. It's not going to be compared to the late nights that you stayed to prepare the message. That's temporary. It's not going to be compared to the time that you take every Sunday to be here. There is great glory waiting for us. I beg you to make this your prayer. God, help me to live and save you for the future glory that is beyond comparison. In South Africa, we are not being persecuted for saving the Lord. But we have a lot of things in our lives 
that wouldn't want us to make serving the Lord a priority. They want to be a priority. There is a fight. We make other people, other things more important than the Lord and Savior Jesus and his mission. We've remained with one verse, by the way. Because I know when it's getting to this direction, some of you will say, just finish it up. Just close. We want to go. Just verse 18. We'll finish up. We'll go. But this is the truth. The truth of, is that no one, even if we are reading about Paul here, the persecution, the suffering, the way Paul is speaking. Who in this room can say that can equal up or can match the suffering that Paul went through? No one. But I know what we can complain about. Oh, I'm sleeping so late. I have to think about that. Oh, I'm, I have to go early. Oh, we are saving again. Oh, we have to meet in the week. So there are always things that are going to fight to stand as obstacle. And we choose to prioritize those things above this. What a joy. What an incredible privilege we have to gather together. As my beautiful wife said when she stood in front, the way she put it, God, I give you my soul. I live for you alone. We have to be grateful for being alive. We have to be grateful that we are part and parcel of what God is doing in and through this city and in this community. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy comparing. This is verse 18 with the glory that is. Uh, this is verse 18 of Romans 8. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us, says Paul. Romans 8 verse 18. Again, again, it's about suffering. I'm suffering. Yes, I'm suffering. I know I'm suffering. But this is, this is nothing. It is worthy to suffer for, for Jesus Christ. I will suffer for him. This is Paul. Is it easy? It's not. But he said, I am happy to suffer for him. Because this suffering is nowhere near. It cannot be compared with the future glory that is to be revealed to us. Finishing with verse 18, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. What we are seeing is short. It's going to pass. But the things that we can see, they will last forever. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are, see, are unseen are eternal. Friends, I want us to learn by reading Paul's statement. I call this Paul's statement of faith, which I believe sits well under the theme of living for eternity in a temporary world. Paul says this, for me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. That's what Paul said. 
For him to live was Christ, and to die was gain, because he knew whatever he had to do or in his life, day-to-day life, was to represent Christ, was to do it for him. And if he had to die, he would be with Christ. Now, here's a small practical exercise I want you to do. And you can take this with you. I wonder what personal statement of faith you and I would write under this theme, living for eternal living for eternity in a temporary world. What would you write? What would be a statement of your faith under this theme? Will it be something like this? I live to make my parents proud. I live to show the world that I am not dumb. I want them to know that I'm smart. I want them to know that I can achieve all these other things. Or for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. The author of Hebrews gives us an idea, a sense of what Christ came, lived for, died for, and why he did it. Hebrews 12, 2 tells us very clearly that for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. Friends, Jesus was not looking at the cross. He was looking beyond the cross. Therefore, as a result, he was able to handle humiliation, pain, insult, suffering, because he knew that beyond the cross, it would be you. He knew that beyond the cross, there were many people from different nations who would gather in one room like this to the glory of God. What Christ did, God received the glory. Because after his resurrection, the church was birthed. Here we are today. Let me ask you again this question. What would you write under the theme of living for eternity in a temporary world? Invite us to stand. I want you to take that through this week and think about it. Friends, I wish for me I would be like Paul to say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But it's not easy to say that. Because there are so many things that compete within me. They compete with what it means to stand firm as a gospel-ravished child of God. But yet, the one hope that I have is that I cannot do this without the help of the Holy Spirit. You can't. Therefore, it's important for us to cry out to God. I want you to pray before you leave this place and say, Lord, help me. If you are here for the first time and you are not a cross follower, the reason Jesus went on the cross 
was so that beyond it, you'd be accepted by God the Father and be given the right to be his child. All you have to do is to accept Jesus as your person, Lord and Savior. And say, come and be my Lord and Savior. I surrender my life to you today. You will experience the grace that Paul speaks about. God is extending his grace to many, many people. I'll ask the band to come up just to play the background music. I want you to pray for the help of the Holy Spirit. I want you to ask God and say, God, help me. Help me as I live in this temporary world. I want to make, to put first things first. I want to live for the audience of one. I want to live for you. But it's not easy. Help me. That's the prayer I want you to pray. Be honest before God. Say, God, it's not easy for me to live for the audience of one. I want you to help me to live for you and for you alone. I want you to help me in my workspace to be a vehicle for other people to see your grace and experience your grace. I want you to help me in my family, my community, so that I can be that vehicle that people will experience your grace so they may come to know you through my life. For me to live should be you, Christ. And for me to die should be gain because I know I'll be with you. Please, where you are, just pray to the Lord. Say, Father, help me this morning. Help me, Father. Be honest before God because he is the God who searches our hearts. Ask God to help you. Ask him to help you that you may write a personal statement of faith that you live by and say, God, for me to live is you, Christ, and to die is gain like Paul. 